to start off this morning with just a quick card from Bloom. You might remember that this is the organization that came uh, to, to present to us just a few weeks ago. And uh, we also, we took a special offering from them, and we also are giving all our profits this, this month to Bloom from uh, the Hope Restored Store. But they just wrote a little postcard. It says, Dear Heritage Christian Church, hello, my name is Jasmine, and I am a student at Bloom. I wanted to thank you for your gift. Each gift that comes in the Bloom helps girls like me get a second chance. Before I came to Bloom, I was struggling with substance abuse and depression. Since being there, I've learned that God is the only real way through my problems. Thanks again for helping me and girls like me. I hope you have a blessed day. And this morning, if you're a guest with us, I just want to ask you if you can take a few moments. You'll see right in front of the other few uh, something called a connection card. If you can take a few moments to fill that out and uh, just let us know who you are and what's going on. Um, you know, if you have any questions for us, of course, there's some check boxes on the bottom. We'd love to hear from you. And on the back, we want to remind everybody that whether you're here for the first time or the millionth time, if that's possible, um, on the back, that's your right prayer request. Every Wednesday night, we pray over these requests. There's a spot for you to say it public for the church or only for leadership if you're concerned with confidentiality. Um, you put as much or as less as the least amount that we want on this card, you know. So really up to you. But we're going to pray with you. We want to believe with you over those things that you're praying for. And we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. We still believe God moves today, works today. And we've seen a lot of praise reports coming in about the things that we've been praying for on Wednesday night. So we're looking forward to that. So we can get these in. And also, we have a praise report. Because it's good that if we've been praying for a long time, and we don't never really hear an update, or never really hear a praise report, then we'll continue praying for that same thing, but maybe it's already done in the past. Maybe God's already answered that prayer. It'd be good for us to know that. So if you have a praise report to put on this card, so that we can uh, uh, praise the Lord with you. We can celebrate with you over that. Also, just want to let you know that uh, we have a few, we're looking for a few people to take a three-hour shift at the Hope Restored Store, just like a couple, like once a month. Once a month is all we're looking for, for three hours. And, uh, you know, when you, when you serve at the Hope Restored Store, what you're doing is not just watching over a store, but you're helping to provide money for food for people here in, in our community in Falmouth, as we support the Falmouth Service Center. You help uh, people who are in active military uh, and, and veterans and their families to provide the things that they need. Uh, we've helped people with Alzheimer's and families who are dealing with Alzheimer's this last month, as you saw how much we gave to them this past month. And also helps organizations like Bloom that I just talked about that are really helping girls who are in crisis to help them get through this time and really to build them on a foundation of who Christ is so that they could continue in life long after and uh, live successful lives in, in their faith. I also want to thank those who came out uh, yesterday. I think we had six here. We were just kind of plugged away and got a few things done. So I want to thank you who came out to do that. And uh, it was a little bit of a humid warm day, but we had a, great, a good time together and we got, I think, quite a bit done. And the last reminder is just that we have our anchor students meeting. We are meeting every other Thursday now. This is grades 6 through 12. And our anchor students are uh, going to be on Thursday nights, every other Thursday. And it starts at 6.30 p.m. So if you have friends or neighbors, if you need to bribe some kids in your neighborhood with maybe pizza or maybe we can give them a ride, get them here. They'll have a good time. They're going to get to know uh, Max and Melissa and the work that they're doing with them. And I really think it's going to help develop their faith even more. So I want to encourage that this morning. I want to start off today with a powerful story told in a book by Max Lucado. That book is called Outlive Your Life. And the story goes like this. 
Maybe you make assumptions about people who are wealthy. Maybe they must have gotten it because they're greedy. Or maybe you make assumptions about people who are poor, thinking that they put themselves there. They, they're getting what they deserve. Or maybe we judge people simply because of their accent, or because of their race, or because of the color of their skin. Or we judge people by whatever political party they support. Or we even assume certain things about people who are pro or anti-vaccine. It's caused division for many. There's a song that was done in the 1980s that actually was a 1980 album called Last Houses by a man named Billy Joel. You might remember this song if you listened to this kind of music back in the day. You may be right. I may be crazy. Oh, but it just may be a lunatic <laughs> You see, there are times when our judgments are correct. There are times when our judgments are correct. Let's just be real. There are times when our assumptions are right on the money. In fact, with the Samaritan woman at the well, she had five judgments. <coughs> Now she was living with a man. I'm sure people knew her history. And many people in the town knew exactly the type of person that she was. They knew the things that made her based on what they knew about her life. And they made assumptions. There was a woman who was looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for fulfillment in relationships. And it just wasn't doing it for her. And some of those assumptions were right on. They were right. This is something that should be avoided, right? Especially if you're Jewish, because not only was this woman kind of going from relationship to relationship, but she was also a hated Samaritan. So how did Jesus handle this? He moved past assumptions. He moved past judgment. And he had compassion for her. Let's say if you are right about that person that you assume things about. What good does that accomplish? To be right about where they live or how they do things? You feel justified in ignoring or staying away from those people. Like the Pharisees who criticized Jesus for spending time with people they call the scum of the earth. That's a pretty strong premise. The scum of the earth. Why are you spending time with the scum of the earth? You see, assumptions say that she is not worth your time. Stay away from her. She is bad news. But compassion says every human has value regardless of the past, regardless of their life choices, and regardless of what got them there in the first place. Jesus gave her the time of day, and she became the first evangelist, running back to the town, letting everybody know that he knew everything that she had been through, everything that she had gone through. You see, right assumptions don't result in right actions. Right assumptions don't result in right actions, but compassion does. Compassion does. What were the results of Jesus' compassion? A powerful life trans transformation in the advance of the kingdom of God in Samaritan character. So I will continue on just a little bit further. There's the chorus, of course, in this song. You may be right, I may be crazy. You may be wrong for all I know, but you... Maybe you're right. You see, the disciples were wrong about a situation here in John chapter 9. 
If you'd like to follow along with me, it's going to be on the screens behind me. But John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. You may be wrong. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Has to be one or the other, right? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned by us, by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Just one small thing. Do not try this at home. Just because Jesus did it doesn't mean this is what you need to do. Unless you really sense him, you're not going to do it, right? Verse 7, he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. See, the disciples had it all wrong. They had made the assumption that someone had the sin for this man to be born blind. It was either him or his parents. Which ones? Which one sinned? Because that was a popular teaching of that day. The disciples did not look at the man as an object of compassion, but rather a theological discussion. Because it's easier to have theological discussions than get involved, isn't it? It's easy to argue about what brought that person there than it is to do something for them. It's easier to have that discussion. But Jesus set the record straight. Jesus says that there is no direct connection between sin and this man being born blind. Did his parents sin? Of course they did. They were human, right? They, they didn't sin. He wasn't saying that his parents were without sin. Have we all been impacted by the sin of Adam and Eve? Of course we have. But in this particular case, Jesus is, is saying, this is not because of sin. If we learn anything from Job, the man who lost everything for no good reason, we learn that every, not everything is the result of sin. Sin was not the reason that this man was born blind. If we can make assumptions or judgments about people, it is easier to write them off, isn't it? They brought it on themselves, we may think, even if we don't say it. Doesn't that release us from the responsibility? Or at least we think it does. So if not because of sin, then why was this man born blind? There had to be a cause. There had to be a reason. That's a question I wish I could answer about life. I'd probably be a zillionaire if I had to answer that question. Why does God seem to answer some prayers and not others? Why do people we love get cancer and not? Why do people die young or take their own life? Why do tragic, tragic accidents? Even Jesus cried from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't have easy answers to any of these questions. But Jesus appears to give an answer for this specific situation. He says in verse 3, It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen 
so the power of God could be seen in him. Jesus did not see this as judgment, but rather an opportunity to bring glory to God. I'll say that again. Jesus didn't see this as judgment, but rather as an opportunity to bring glory to God. An opportunity to do the work of the Father. What if we began to see people through the eyes of opportunity rather than the eyes of judgment? I know sometimes I, I wear contacts, and sometimes you get a contact that starts to dry out again. And when that contact begins to dry out, it gets a little blurry. You can't see everything clearly. Or maybe if you have glasses, you might recognize them. If you have those glasses off, you can't see things quite as clearly. See, when your eyes are dried out, you're seeing things blurry. You're not seeing things clearly in the way that God would have us see. We get something in that contact and it irritates our eye. We're not seeing things the way that he sees them. And we see later in this chapter that Jesus reserves his judgment, not for the blind man here in this situation, but he, re- he reserves his judgment for the religious people. John chapter 9, verses 39 through 41. He says, Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment. Now I want you to notice who he came to render judgment to. To give sight to the blind and to show those who think they can see or think they see that they are blind. Mm. Some Pharisees who were staying nearby heard them and asked, <coughs> Are you saying, I'm sure there was some attitude, Are you saying to me, Are you talking to me? Are you saying to me that I'm blind? I know the scriptures. You're saying, I'm blind? I'm the blind one? If you were blind, Jesus said, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. It's ironic that those who could see physically were actually spiritually blind. And the man who was physically blind was powerfully healed. They were guilty because they thought that they knew the truth. But they were missing it altogether. What does this say to us this morning? <clears throat> First thing it says is we don't have the answer to why. Because we are not God. Another thing it says to us is that we are not the judge. That job is already taken. So our call is to show compassion. John chapter 9, verses 4 through 5. Something that really, when I studied it this week, really caught my attention. I shared it with uh, with the board on on Thursday night on our meeting. Pay close attention to these words just for a moment. Verses 4 through 5. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while, while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Notice the word, we. We must quickly carry out the task assigned by the one who sent us. Who's the we? I'm not his disciples. He's talking about people who are Christ followers. People who follow Christ. People who claim the Christian faith. People who have put their faith in Christ. See, it's not our responsibility to judge or to assume things about people, but it is our responsibility to carry out the task assigned to us while we still have time to do so. Think about this for a moment. Have you ever noticed this passage? 
Have you ever noticed that God has tasks assigned to you and to me? He is calling us to do them while we're still able, while it is still day, before the nighttime comes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says something similar. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. See, God has prepared good things for you to do right now, right in this moment. You are not done. Like I've said in the past, if you are not dead, you are not done with those good works. God's still calling you. God can still use you. And what would happen if, in this church, if we all began to do the tasks that have been assigned to us? If we all begin to ask, Lord, what are the things that you're putting in my path to do? And every one of us begin to check off those boxes, what would happen to our faith? What would happen to this church? What would happen to our community? This all begins when we get past our assumptions and our judgments and instead see the opportunity to bring glory to God. Opportunity to do the good works that God planned for you to do long ago. You know what caused this church to grow healthy, strong, and loving? If we make sure that we are not missing the tasks that have been assigned to us. Missing the assignments that God has placed on our heart. If you're missing those tasks, then what's stopping you from getting it done? What's stopping you from taking some steps of doing the thing that God has laid on your heart? You can still accomplish them. It's time to stop making the excuses and to start taking some steps toward those tasks that God has placed right here. There will be a time when you will sign your name on the final timesheet of your life. And it's time to check out for the last time. Do you feel as if you've accomplished all that you've been assigned? <clears throat> if not, there is no time like the present. You must complete the work while it's still day, before the darkness of night comes, and you're no longer able to work. John 3.17. You know, many of us know John 3.16. John 3.17 said, God sent his son into the world. Not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And this is the call of every believer. We are not here on this planet to play the judge. That job is already taken. Like the football team that we started with today, we are here to show compassion. Regardless of how people got where they are. We should move from our assumptions and judgments to compassion. You may be wrong for all I know, but you may be So go into the world and allow the compassion of Christ to flow through you. This morning you may be listening and you've never given over your life to Jesus Christ. You sense that maybe there's something that God is going in your life. Or maybe you're struggling. And you find yourself in the place of the woman at the well, or you find yourself in the place of this man born blind, and maybe you're not physically blind, but there are things going on in your life that you're struggling through right now. And you need Jesus to walk by to heal you. 
You need Jesus to walk by to bring healing in your life as you're struggling. Maybe you feel judged. Jesus came not to judge, but he came to save you. He came to save me. So Jesus Christ can redeem your past and forgive your sins and help your life to change and give it purpose so that you can go about those tasks that he's assigned for you to do. All you have to do is ask and receive him into your life. And you get a brand new start in life. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, you can do that today. Or maybe you need to renew your relationship with Jesus. I'm going to say a simple prayer. You can repeat after me. You can say the words in your heart. It doesn't really matter. They're not magic words. But simply a way of giving your life over to Christ this morning and taking that first step to growing in your faith. Say, Lord, I believe you died for my sins, and today I am giving my life over to you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer this morning, I want you to download an app on your phone called YouVersion. And you'll look in there and you'll find different devotionals. And one of those is called First Step for New Believers. I want to help to encourage you in your faith by taking those first steps of reading through that and beginning to grow in your faith. The second step would be at getting attached to a church somewhere, whether that you're local here. Sundays at 10 a.m. we meet here at the Heritage Christian Church. If you're not local, and there might be another place that you're watching from, find a local church that's teaching God's Word and get involved in plug so that you can continue to grow in your faith. This morning, for those who have already been believers, You've already given our hearts and lives over to Christ. We may need to repent of the way that we've made assumptions and judgments and allowed it to be our excuse for not helping. Did you have tasks set out in advance for you to do and you've not been to do them? Now is the time and now is the season. The harvest fields are ripe and it's time to stop making excuses. What's the church's greatest need today? Laborers and kids. Workers. People willing to take on the tasks. People willing to hear God's call to do something for Him. Jesus came so that we could be powerfully transformed, so that we can share the salvation of Jesus with the people we know, so that they can live transformed and full lives as well. Christ followers who have all of our task boxes checked out. See a church that has completed all of our task boxes so that we can stand before the King of Kings and he will say, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have completed all that I prepared in advance for you to do. Welcome to my kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning, and we recognize that we have things in our heart and life 
any of us. Maybe things that we've been right about. Maybe things that we've been wrong about. But things that have tainted the way that we see the world. Lord, I pray this morning. Personally, I don't think of that word. If there's any of that in my life, show me. And cleanse me. Help us each individually repent. There are areas in our lives where we've made assumptions and where the people are. to you is to go and do it in his name for his glory without assumptions and with compassion. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.
Thank you.